Welcome to But Jesus Drank Wine and other stories that kept us stuck. I'm Mead. And I'm Christy. In this podcast, we'll explore the stories that kept us, well, stuck, wanting to drink and not wanting to drink all at the same time. Join us as we show you that freedom from alcohol does not have to mean a life sentence of misery and missing out, but actually means living an authentic life full of peace, joy, and purpose. Hey gals, how are we doing? Hello. Doing great. So excited to be here. Oh my gosh. So excited for this one. (laughs) Yes. We are so excited to have Kristen Dalton-Wolf with us. She is a mental health and life coach, motivational speaker, former Miss USA, and she leads a women's ministry in LA called She Gathers. She's also the mom of three Moms of Three Club right here. And and we're just so, so happy to connect with you today. We love reaching out and having conversations with women who, whether they're they found freedom from alcohol and they're daring to live differently in a world that's overly saturated with alcohol and as non-drinkers or and more importantly, I think living living differently, living set apart as daughters of the king and how how hard that is and yet how amazing it is. And so we're just, we're just grateful to connect with women in the space doing that work. So welcome. Thank you. We're going to have a good talk today. Oh, we, we cannot wait. Yeah. So, so much of what we all kind of share in common is this, there's so many stories that, that keep us stuck, so to speak, whether they're about alcohol and how that contributes to overdrinking cycles or the stories that we believe about ourselves and how that holds us back and keeps us from, again, kind of just living as who we're called to be. So Kristen, we just wanted to kind of chat, hear your story and hear your wisdom and all the things. So just jump right in. Let's dive in. Okay. Well, I'll just, I'll start from where we sort of left off before we hit record, (laughs) which was the fact that we both went to pretty much like one of the top party schools in the nation. We both went to East Carolina University and uh, I was just sharing with you that I did not drink throughout college. And the reason why is because when I was 12 years old, I knew I wanted to be Miss USA one day. So I was in a Bible study. And I wrote out this letter and I made a vow to myself and to God that I was not going to drink. I wasn't going to smoke, do drugs or have sex before marriage because I saw all of those things as distractions or detours in becoming Miss USA. And becoming Miss USA wasn't until 10 years later. But part of the reason I wanted to win is because I wanted to be a role model. And in order to be a role model, you got to live different. (laughs) And so I was like, okay, I want to, I want to live how God says I'm worthy of living, even if I don't have evidence of that worthiness necessarily right now. And I just remember like, so getting so much pushback in high school. And then before I went off to college, like when everyone found out I was going to ECU, they were like, there's no way, there's no way that you're going to make it. Like, there's no way that you're not going to go there and not come home next summer having turned into a party girl. And I was like, you don't know me. Just wait. Challenge accepted. <laughs> Challenge accepted. So that's part of the reason I was able to make it through. And it is... A 
it's, it's something that I've recently come back to is I sort of, after I won Miss USA, I, I started drinking during that year. And so the irony really is that I held this dream and this goal in such high esteem and it kind of kept me going and it kept me on this right track. And then I got there and those, the, the people, the organization that I held in such high regard didn't also have the same values. So I really wanted to belong and I wanted them to accept me. And so I started to make little baby compromises. And then I started to notice that I really love being buzzed. <laughs> I just love it. And then I moved out to Los Angeles after I was in the USA and discovered I could buy my own bottles of wine and keep them in the fridge. And then I discovered that if you buy six at Ralph's, you get a really great deal and discount. So like I just had six bottles of wine in my fridge at all times. And yeah. And then after I became a mom, holy moly, I was like, drink, drink, drink. And I did not like being a mom at first. I had a really traumatic labor and delivery experience and the whole, like my whole view of my husband changed. And so, yeah, I just relied on wine a lot and it got out of control. So I've recently come back to, Hey, where was that girl who made those promises to herself? Like, where did she go? The girl who had like vision and dreams and hopes and like something to live for that kept her like, living successfully on a daily basis. So I've kind of recently been coming back to that place. Wow. Oh my gosh. There's so much there. I, I know. That was like, you're really, I was like, how am I going to say this kind of short? I think I did good. good. No, but it's just, there's so many. Yeah. You did great. I'm just like, but I want to talk about this. I want to talk about, and this is what I do in these, in these situations. But I love what you said about the baby compromises and, and how those are, if we pay attention to them, those can be our like greatest clues to where we're not living aligned to who we want to be. And when we're not paying attention to those baby compromises, those baby compromises become big compromises over time. Like for example, with me, with, with alcohol and the whole like, but Jesus drank wine and justifying what I was doing based on that. So yeah, like, so how, what's been the, I guess, evolution of that kind of story work for you? How has that continued to feed you? You mean just as far as compromising? Yeah. Like, yeah, I guess I was just looking for like, or how do you coach people in that way? What do you, you're a coach as well. And so, yeah, how, what do you do? Well, I think I'll talk about sort of the realization that I had, which was the fact that I just realized I was dimming myself and I was living small. And I think that we use alcohol and we don't realize that we're using it for this reason, but I was drinking in order to like kind of numb myself to the fact that I wasn't living up to who I was made to be. And vision and hope has so much to do with giving us a reason to live beautifully and and to walk the narrow path. Like the Bible talks about walking the narrow path and it sounds so restrictive until you realize that the narrow path is the most freeing 
liberating path, but it's really hard to walk it on a daily basis when you don't have something you're, you're walking towards, when you don't have something that you're running towards and you're excited about. And so for me, I just realized like, oh, the reason I made this decision and I was so fervent and passionate back then is because I had a vision and I believed in it. I believed that God gave it to me and I believed I was worthy of it. So what, what am I, how can I transfer that now? And that is something I do a lot in coaching is a lot of times we have, most of the time we have all the answers within us and we've already realized and walked in a lot of what we're searching for. We just have to remember and find those points of strength that we have had those revelations in and we've walked in. So, oh, now like 2.0 part of my life, the new vision is my women's ministry, She Gathers. So we went on hiatus in 2020 for obvious reasons. And then also I was just having burnout because I was in people pleasing mode, which also alcohol will make you do that. It'll make you be a people pleaser because you're like anxious all the time and just worried about what people think about you. You want to like look good and do, do what you what you think other people want you to do. And that's like so exhausting. And it's also such a tactic of the enemy. It's such a distraction and deception. So anyways, so I relaunched in October, 2022, so six months ago, and I was probably drinking like almost a bottle of wine a night up until that point. And I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this, there's, I, I have to fast alcohol. And it got up to like 10 days before the first day of our launch. And I was like, I should start fasting now. But I just was like, no, I was not ready. Because for me, wine was a comfort. It was my friend. I could rely on it. And I liked the way it made me feel in the moment. And I never really dealt with hangovers. So I didn't have that incentive to like, I didn't necessarily feel bad the next day. So I was like, all right, the only way that I'm going to be able to do this is if I do what I did before when I was Miss USA, which was, or preparing for it, which was to completely saturate myself and information and inspiration around this topic. And so that's what I did. I read books on it, listened to bajillion podcasts, and I fasted. And then I had this bottle of wine waiting for me after the night that we relaunched to like celebrate. And I came back home and was surprised by the fact that I didn't want it, which is just so unlike me. And habitually, I almost wanted to drink it just like, I'm like, there's no way that I'm going to be able to keep this up. So I might as well drink it. But I was like, no, 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 we can do this. Let's just take it one day at a time. And now it's been six months. And I want to be like forever alcohol free. Because at this point, I feel like I'm winning. I feel like I'm winning in life. I don't feel like I'm depriving. And the reason I feel like I'm winning is because I've changed my subconscious beliefs, which I know y'all talk a lot about around alcohol and around myself and around what I thought that it did for me and what I thought it was. So yeah, it's a big part of it is changing your subconscious beliefs and having something to live for that gives you a reason to walk the narrow path. Like you have to have vision. Yeah, so true. Of those subconscious beliefs, was there one that you felt like was the most trickiest <laughs> to kind of deal with and overturn? I think it was really the the notion and the 
looking forward to of at the end of the day. This is the thing in this beautiful glass that makes me feel like an adult and like elegant and separate from the grittiness and uh, like blahness of motherhood. Like it made me feel like somewhat elegant and yeah, fancy. And also like, oh, I'm relaxing. And it kind of, it kind of made like preparing dinner a little bit more like, mm, I don't know what the word is. And last yep, yep. time it's a little <laughs> bit more like enjoyable or whatever. And then I started to replace it with, with, I call it the grapefruit sparkle because I haven't found anything better than this for cost effectiveness, calories, and nutrition. Okay. Because you know that all the alcohol-free thingies, wines, and aperitifs are full of stuff. Sugar, sugar, sugar. I was shocked when I first went to BevMo to try to find some fancy alcohol free stuff that the number one ingredient in all of it is sugar or like something terrible. And I was like, what? So we're just going to drink sugar water. <laughs> like that's so dumb. So, um, and it costs like $400, Not really. <laughs> like almost the same price or more as fancy wine. I was like, this is, this doesn't make any sense. Like I can make my own thing. So for me, Sauvignon Blanc was like my drink of choice. So I was like, what can I do to create that feeling? So I got fresh pressed grapefruit juice and either a LaCroix or some kind of flavored sparkling water and combine that. And I drink that every night. And then you get your vitamin C. There's no like unnecessary sugar that isn't like real and pressed from a grapefruit. And it cost me $4. I, I was waiting for you to say, because when you said grapefruit sparkle, I was waiting for you just because we had the East Carolina connection and you said y'all at the beginning too. I'm like, what else? Of course, I do a fever tree, which is a fever tree grapefruit every single day with a lime LaCroix. Now, yeah, so the fever tree grapefruit is like 30 calories. Not a lot of, it's not a lot of sugar. It's like the best of the best. And it is, it is that same kind of ritual and feeling of just, ref it's refreshing uh, at the end of the day. And I look forward to it. And, but now I'm like, ooh, I'm going to have to try. I like that. Your version is like the elevated from that. So yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try that. I also firmly believe that like the pretty glass makes the drink. You know what I mean? Like that was one of the things when I stopped drinking, I was like, nobody is taking my pretty glasses. <laughs> and when I go out, I'll often say like, I want whatever I end up ordering in like a cocktail glass because they're fun and that's fine. Yeah, I know. My, my mother-in-law was recently here and she, it, I didn't like come out and say like, I'm not drinking anymore because I didn't want her to ask questions, but she was like, Oh, I noticed like you haven't really been drinking. Should we like get rid of your wine glasses and like put them somewhere else? And I was like, absolutely not. Like I still drink out of them. <laughs> like I still drink water out of them. Yeah. It's important. Yeah. yeah. So true. So true. I love how you were talking about too, because I could just relate to this so much. It's so hard to articulate that that is what the feeling was, but it's also interesting to see when you say like you felt fancy and it was almost like this 
way of taking the discomfort that we feel in the grittiness of, of motherhood and all that comes with it and having this, like, not having to deal with that discomfort. And so, yeah, I, I feel elevated. I feel classy. I feel this. And it's so interesting to see how that just combines together. And of course we end up with subconscious beliefs that say that like, this is what we should be doing every day. And this is the thing that's helping us relax. And this is the thing that's helping us survive motherhood. And it's, it's just not, it's just not true. But I think that's a a hard one for people to articulate or to admit that that might be part of that. So Well, I think too, and I I know y'all talk about this, but it was really helpful for me to see and dispel the integration of mommy juice culture and like the memes and the videos and like every movie you watch and every TV show. Like I would watch a TV show and everyone's drinking something and I'm like, now I want to drink because that just, even like, even when you're watching like James Bond or like in Game of Thrones or whatever it is, and the leaders are making, taking a drink to make a decision. You kind of think like, oh, even like when we as leaders gather together, we should all have wine so we can make better decisions. (laughs) So we can have like a brainstorming session because it just like gets in your mind. And so then when I started to, so anyway, it just becomes so like normal. You don't even think about it because that's just what people do. And so then, and Christy, I know you're like, and both of you are really, you love The Naked Mind and y'all talk about it. When I listened to that book, The Naked Mind, and learned about the marketing behind all of it and just how we are just these like blind followers, it's infuriating. And then I just remember like, hold on a second. My whole thing all along was that I wanted to be set apart and here I am being basic. I need to remind myself, I need to remind myself that, no, I don't want to be ordinary. I want to be extraordinary, (laughs) not extraordinary. (laughs) And so just like when you realize what's happening, you kind of like wake up and you're like, "Mm -mm, I'm not going to fall into that. Yeah. There's so many people that I like end up coaching and they're like, one of the reasons I like to drink is because it makes me feel rebellious. And then you tell them that like 86% or something like that around there of Americans drink. So being the non-drinker is actually being the rebel, right? Being exactly what you just said, being the non-drinker sets you apart. And so it is, it's, it is the radical, like countercultural decision to, as you said, set yourself apart is to kind of live this alcohol-free life. And it's just, we're blinded, like you said, by all of this information to the contrary. So it's bananas. I know. It's almost like that incentivizes me a lot. So Christy, when you and other accounts post about how being alcohol-free is mainstream, I'm like, no, don't make it mainstream. (laughs) (laughs) It makes it less sexy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, but I mean, the good, the good news is right. And the fact that there are the generations under us, like, which will be so great for all of our kids, right. Are wising up to this because of the health risks and because of what we know now. And because everybody is kind of like, oh shoot, breast cancer, not good. It's just, it is, it is becoming more mainstream, but it's still, it's still not the norm. I want it to be the norm, but it's not, not yet. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. So many girls and in my women's ministry out here in LA are just like, 
starting to wake up to it. So many of us are living an alcohol-free lifestyle. So it's really fun to see. Yeah. I noticed that you also coach teens. Do you do you end up talking with them about alcohol? No, I don't. Well, most of the teens that I coach are very, they're high achievers. They have big goals. They're very like active and have a lot going on in their life. So just, they don't have time for that. <laughs> so that's not usually something that they come to me about is that kind of struggle. Usually they're struggling with like, I mean, not that you, I think that it could be something they end up struggling with if we don't address what they're dealing with, which is perfectionism and pressure and people pleasing once again. And not feeling enough because I think when you, you struggle with those things, you can end up turning to coping mechanisms like alcohol. So we kind of more get to the root of it. Yeah. You, you mentioned the people pleasing before too. And as a reformed people, you all, you mentioned it as something that like alcohol kind of leads to that. I mean, which it absolutely, in my case, it accelerated my people pleasing. You mentioned like the fitting in as initially being once you were Miss USA and the fitting in element of that, fitting into that world. And then for me being a people pleaser before and then alcohol accelerating that and the perfect, I mean, all of that, it's when I first started this journey to explore my relationship to alcohol, I, I understood, I saw that there were stories that I had to untangle around alcohol. What I didn't see right away were those stories that were based in who I am and and how they fit together with the people pleasing and the perfectionism and the hustling for our worth, the way that the world sends us the messages that we that, that busy is sexy, that hustling is sexy, achieving, performing, doing, oh my gosh. And, and that was one of the greatest gifts for me of starting this journey. And that's why I always say that like my hitting my max pain point with my relationship to alcohol, I'm so grateful for it because it opened the door to my my return my return home to the lord and who i am based on through looking through his eyes and not anybody else's and so i love that that's something that you coach around now before maybe these women these girls have a chance to really really solidify their identity and so yeah, I guess I guess I, I would love to hear just more about that. What that if you if that's something that comes from your personal life or what have what has been your learning in doing that work? Well, I I think it's really easy to sleepwalk through life, but not realize that you're doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thirty seven years, and I say that because like. I didn't think I was sleepwalking. Same. Like I think a lot of achieving leader type people are like, I don't even, I don't even relate. Like they could be listening to this right now and be like, I don't relate to that. Like, yes. But you don't until you wake up. And I say all of that because I mean, I was like, I was coaching and teaching and writing all at the same time that I now looking back feel like I was asleep. And so what I mean is I didn't realize how deception had crept in. And that is the whole power 
of deception is you don't know you're under the blanket. Yeah. When you look around and, and, and everybody's doing look like looking the same as far as the drinking goes, like, why would you, why would you step into awareness and wake up if it all looks like it's what we should be doing, especially as like moms trying to work our butts off to make things happen? Why would we think that we needed to do something different? Totally. You know? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's like when I say wake up, what I mean is I, I feel like patterns started to come into place that then the devil started to like magnify and sort of put this like cloak over me, which also alcohol does. So we're like helping, you know, like me and the devil are like helping each other. And we're also reading the Bible. So, and teaching people about the Bible, but I didn't realize that like the very thing that drove me before actually, which was to be set apart, which was to live differently, which was to glorify God, which was to live like a pure life ended up taking me down. Like I ended up like, I I was preaching like, don't compromise when really I was over here compromising, but they were behind, it was behind closed doors. Like people didn't really know how much I was drinking. It was like coping for me. And I started to think that I deserved it because I was doing so much. And I'm such a good Christian that like, I deserve to like have a few vices. And so that's just like the, the deception right there. And then suddenly you wake up to it and you realize like, oh my gosh, this thing isn't helping me. This thing isn't helping me cope. This isn't my comfort. This is actually making me small. This is stealing my purpose. It's stealing my destiny. Like it's making me dumber. It's making me like forget what I want to say. It's making me lose track of my thoughts. It's fogging my creativity. And I thought it was my friend. <laughs> relationship yeah it's so interesting how you said like partnering with it's so insidious evil is so insidious in how it works to just slowly and quietly and cunningly put us to sleep in our lives yeah and then you wake up and you're like all this while I'm actually partnering I'm actually making what like how did I miss this but also praise God that I did wake up and he is good and he 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 was not giving up on me and he brought me back and so oh my gosh I there's yeah there's there's so much that I can relate to in what you just shared it's so good well I think too like another way that you stay asleep is you don't think that you have a problem Or like Christy, what you were talking about, you're like, well, when you match everyone else, you don't think you do. And, and I actually did go to AA during, I think it was either 2020 or 2021 when it was so easy. They made it so easy. You just get on Zoom, put your camera off, change your name. Ain't nobody going to know. Yeah. It's really anonymous. And so I went on and listened and then also read the big book and discovered that I was not by definition an alcoholic. So I was like, okay, I don't have a problem. I'm not an alcoholic. We're good. And so then I started to learn about the whole concept of 
a spectrum and gray area drinking. And just because you're not an alcoholic doesn't mean that it's best for you. And so I even like that argument when it comes to, well, Jesus drank wine or people drink wine in the Bible. It's like, okay, it sounds like we're looking for loopholes. Sounds like we're looking for exception or you're looking for what is going to be accepted, not what is highest and what is best. What is highest and what is best for you? Because it says in the Bible that kings and leaders don't drink. But the people who are suffering, the people who are suffering, yeah, you can. So were you, like, was there, I know you said you wanted to, like, fast, like, before, like, She Gathers relaunched, and so that was, like, the primary motivation, but was there a moment kind of, like, leading up to it where you realized that all of this stuff that you mentioned, like, compounded, and you it was causing you to, like, not live your best life, and you, like, came to that realization, or was that not until you felt better after taking a break? Like, when did you kind of come to the realization that it was, like, holding you back to the extent it was, I guess? Okay, well, I knew that I needed to like slow my roll for a while. I'm like, this is not good. But definitely over time, I was I was noticing major brain fog and forgetfulness. And I could also hide that and call it mommy brain. Yeah, everyone will buy that forgetfulness and just like losing my I would be talking and then not be able to find words. I was like, ooh, that's kind of scary. So so there was that. And, oh, okay. And so then I was doing a podcast interview and the night before I stayed up and I think I drank a bottle, a bottle and a half of wine. And then I woke up that morning at like 5am. You know how like you wake up really early after drinking and it just doesn't feel good. And then I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to get clear in the head. And I was like, what did I do? And so I was just, I took a cold shower and then I got on the computer and read through all her questions and wrote out all my answers. Cause I was like, I need to form thoughts. And then I watched the interview back and I showed it to Chris and he didn't know that I had drank like that. And I showed it to him and I was like, what do you think about this, this interview clip? And he was like, Oh, like you've come a really long way since then. Like you've really grown a lot. Like, and he thought the interview was from like four years ago. Oh, wow. Because it was so just like, not good. (laughs) Like it was fine, but it was just flat. And and then I told him, I was like, I drank a bottle and a half of wine the night before. And he was like, what? And I was like, yeah. And so anyways, so that was part of it. I was a little bit scared. And then I just, so then, so that's really what it was. And then it wasn't really until the fasting that I started to see all of the the gifts, like more gifts kept coming from being alcohol free that I didn't even know were affecting me that I was like, holy moly. It was like somebody took like, I don't even know, like some kind of like heaviness on my brain and my soul and just like popped it open. So many things, so many gifts started coming. Like I was like, I didn't know. I didn't know that I was like dimming myself down and playing small, even in my marriage. Like I was, I would like not say things and hold things in and because I was trying to keep the peace. And then suddenly like not drinking made me so clear in my mind and emotions that I was able to just like say things and call things out and like boldness without emotion attached to it. And I was like, Whoa, like who is this person? Not easily offended. No jealousy, like not into so much creativity. I was just like, this is the life. Hello. (laughs) 
So I don't feel like I'm depriving myself. And I think that's the key is like, you you can't feel like you're depriving yourself in order to sustain it. It's got to feel like you're, you're, you're winning. A hundred percent. I always, when people always say like, when does it get easy? And I say, as soon as you start like seeing, living all the benefits of it and not seeing this as something that you're being deprived of, but seeing all the ways that it's like enhancing and making your life amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to your point, sometimes you don't even think you need the benefits. You don't even think your life is really totally that much. And so yeah. you stop and then you're like, oh, I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent. And it's got to be more than for more than a month. It's got, you have to like keep doing it and be like retraining your brain and have mission and purpose and vision along with it. It, has to, it can't just be like stopping alcohol. It has to be like a holistic effort. Don't you think Christy and me? Oh. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, we were just talking to another guest about that actually earlier today about how the the easy part is putting down the drink. The quote unquote hard part is everything that comes next, all the work that comes next, dealing with whatever it is that put you in that spot to reach for the drink, whether you know it is grief or being a mom or relaxing or whatever, unwinding all of that stuff is just that's where the real the real work comes in. But it's like and meeting I'm sorry I'm stealing your line here, but it's this amazing forever work that we get to do. It's and it's yeah, it's so good. Well, I love that you said that, Christy and me just it's the forever work we get to do because you, when you reframe it and you're not like the hard part begins when it's like, no, this is the good part. This is the, this is exciting. This is magical. Like you're uncovering like layers of your beautiful divine essence. Like how much more fun could it, could life be? Like, it's so exciting and there's always more. It's so true. We reminds me of that the episode we did our 15, did we, it was the 15 favorite things or whatever we did. We basically list, we listed our favorite things about being alcohol free. And we came to the, like to the call and we like went through them together and we were just like, no, that one. And that one, and we like thought of new ones along the way. And we were just like, oh my gosh, we can't even actually cram this all into 15 things. It's yeah. impossible because wow. it's just, it's, you learn things every day. That's so cool. That's yeah. I always said that finding freedom from alcohol would have been good enough. I would have, and that's what I thought it would be. Like first, it was removing alcohol from my life, but also that sounded miserable, and so I I stayed stuck for a long time, thinking like, well, with a traditional method, you remove it from your life, and I can see where there will probably be some benefits. But if I'm still wanting, if I'm still desiring, if it takes all this effort to not do it. I'm going to be miserable. But then when I found this naked mind and I'm like, oh, I can change my desire and oh my gosh, let's go. And I found freedom from it. And now I can look at a glass of wine the same way I would look at a glass of paint thinner. There's no chance I'm going to pick up a glass of paint thinner, no matter what glass it's in. Right. Um, But it's okay. Like now I have freedom from that. Okay, good. Now I can just ride off into the sunset. And then what comes after that is like, holy, holy cow. Like There's so much good that comes from this, but also by the way, it is going to take a little work and it's not going to be easy, but also that's why it's so great. And so finding, I always say like, I found freedom from all the things once I found freedom from alcohol Mm. and it it just keeps getting better. Mm -hmm. I love that you just mentioned the paint thinner, by the way, because that was actually a really key learning for me was the fact that it's ethanol like 
alcohol is legitimately poison. Disguised in like oh, no. fancy grapes from France and like <laughs> for like two hundred dollars a bottle uh, paired with whatever, whatever, and you're like, mm. Yep, yeah. So like dignified and like I know about wine and <laughs> it's like <laughs> I don't know, when you just dispel all of that, you're just like, No, are you crazy? That's like a it's ethanol. <laughs> I, that, that's right. Yeah. I used to say like I had soccer written across my forehead, like jokes on you. You're thinking you're being fancy and elegant and cool <laughs> with your glass of, no, like glass gasoline, the same thing that goes in our gas tank. Like, oh my gosh, who knew? But also like, I mean, thankfully I do know now. And it's not just the knowing it. It's the, and we, we even talked on, talked about this earlier too. It's, it's that experiential knowledge. Like you were even talking to Kristen of like, now I'm realizing how, like how creative, how much more creative I can be without alcohol. And I'm realizing these things that I didn't even realize I was kind of missing while I was in it. That's where it just continues. That experiential knowledge just continues to feed us. And yeah, it's like, why would I drink that again? But oh no, you become so empowered. Like even noticing when you go into a restaurant, like seeing how they've placed the wine bottles and the liquor, how it's all high up so everybody can see it. It's like the placement of everything, and you realize that's just all about money. Really, like, I'm not gonna no I'm more not contributing to that. Uh-uh. No I, more. I, I, I already contributed. <laughs> Taking my power back. <laughs> Taking my power back. Please. Fool me yeah. once, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So good. All right. I have a, I have a softball fun question. Okay. Tell us the most fun thing about being Miss USA. <laughs> the most fun thing was training with the Baila Salsa Congress. So I always wanted to be a salsa dancer. My minor in college was Spanish. I studied abroad and I feel like I have a like inner Latina. And one of those goals that I had when I first won, you kind of tell them your goals for the year. And I was like, I want to learn salsa. But not only did I get to learn, I got to train with a professional group and perform for the World Salsa Congress in uh, Los Angeles and New York. And I got to design our costume, which was really cool. Ah! Fun. So do we have oh video gosh. of this? Can we link to that yeah, in our gonna, show notes? I'm going to, yeah, we're going to need yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. And some photos of the costume for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was my highlight of the year for sure. That is so, so cool. Fun. Yeah. So cool. Well, it's that time guys. Time for our tiny Tina. What is one tiny new action, Kristen, that you would love our listeners to try? Wait, can you just, what is tiny Tina? Like, what is <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can't. So, me yeah, so, I can't, I'm laughing too So, hard. I, yeah, so I make, like, acronyms out of everything, and, and, and so I was like, tiny new actions, like, when we're creating change, it's, we don't have to do the big stuff. Like we don't have to make big change. Like just take one tiny new action. And then when I was writing it in like client notes all the time, I'm like, I gotta shorten this. And it was anyway, Tina is, and then Christy's like, but it's gotta be a tiny Tina. And then it's a tiny Tina Turner. One of my clients. Well, what does it stand for though? Tina. Tiny new action. Tiny tiny new new action. action. TNA, but we can't say TNA because that stands for something else. (laughs) 
That's cute. Oh, I love that. Tiny Y'all are hilarious. Tiny Tina. Okay. I just want to know, like, in like, the background, I'm Tina. Okay. Yes. Talk yeah. I need to redefine her. Well, and yeah. we like to yeah. invite our listeners to give them something that they can just one little thing that they can take from here. What would we, yeah, invite them to do? Yeah. Okay, so we actually just did this in my women's group last week, and that is to write a letter to yourself and to God. So this comes back to the story of me and my 12-year-old self when I wrote that letter in Bible study where I was like, hey, God, this is what I'm committing to. This is how I want to live because this is the dream you've put in my heart, and I believe you. Um, and so I just realized a few weeks ago that I needed to rewrite a letter. Like, hello, that thing probably expires. It probably expired when I won Miss USA, clearly. So I needed to get back to that. So that's my my action activation for your listeners, which is to, hey, first of all, you got to have a vision and get your dream. And even if you're like, I don't have one, Kristen, at least like have some kind of result that you would like. this year. Maybe it's like, I just want to feel better. I just want to have more energy. I want clear skin or I want to be less reactive in these certain situations. Like just pick something that is going to make you better and then write a letter and be like, God, this is what I'm committing to. And it's to you, it's to yourself and to God and put it in an envelope and address it to him. And put it in a drawer or some special box and go back and open it after you've accomplished that goal or that dream. Because you know what? Once you've made the decision, it's done. It needs to be done. Like it's a vow. It eliminates decision fatigue. You don't think about it anymore. Like it's just, you've made it. So honor yourself. I love like the key to success is not mo- feeling motivated. It's discipline. It's making a promise to yourself and following through with it. That's really all it is. <laughs> if we can just simplify it, it's really that simple. So yeah. good. So yeah. Go. I I love that. I always I always talk about like where where is our attention and what is the intention and how are those aligned or not aligned? And that can give us a, a really good clue to what our next opportunity for growth is and in what areas. And so I cannot wait for this tiny Tina for myself. I'm going to do the same thing. I love it. Thank you. Love that. Yes. Thanks for having me girls. Yeah. Tell everybody, we'll tell everybody where they can find you and, and talk about, tell everyone about she gathers and where they can find that because it's so amazing. And every time I'm in LA, literally I miss it by one week. It's I know. I know. Yeah. Well, She Gathers is my uh, monthly teaching slash coaching ministry where I lead women through inspiring and actionable messages and meditations. And then we often have special guests. And so you can find information on that at She Gathers LA on Instagram and personal coaching with me, kristendaltonwolf.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at Kristen J. Dalton. And we'll also link to your book, The Sparkle Effect, Step Into the Radiance of Your True Identity. That's on Amazon, I know. So we'll we'll link to that. I got the last one in the UK. You've got to restock over here, babe. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, I know. Okay.
But yeah, we'll put everything in the show notes so it's easy to find you. And we just so appreciate you. And thank you so much. Thank you. Really loved, loved it so much. Thanks for having me. This of course. Is so fun. Thank you so much for joining us again this week. You can find all of our episodes at butjesusdrankwine.com. And make sure you follow us over on the gram at Love Life Sober with Christy and Mead at I'm Not Sober, I'm Free. To learn more about what we do, you can visit our websites at meadhollandshirley.com and lovelifesober.com. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share it with a friend or two. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't have to worry about missing a single episode. And if you love what we're doing, please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. This helps more women who are feeling stuck and alone in the overdrinking cycle to find hope and encouragement. Thanks, ladies. We so appreciate you. We'll see you next week.